it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello and welcome back to another audio exclusive WTF1 podcast. My name is Katie and I'm joined by the founder, Tom Bellingham, who must be in his absolute element because it's Monaco GP week and we've seen some running. Tommy, how are you feeling? I'm loving it. I just, I do absolutely love this track and I will not apologize for it. Um, love it. I, I, I do. I just watch free practice and I'm like, it is so much built on nostalgia and everything like that, but it is the one practice session where I just, um, I just love it. I absolutely love it. Just watching, you will watching the cars. Watch get, it. Yeah, exactly. I watch all of it. Um, all of the, you know, even just like F2 running, I just, I'm a, I'm a Monaco fanboy, and I will not apologize for it. What is interesting though, actually, is we did a, I, I might do a poll afterwards um, after the race, but it is funny because we've said so many times about like, Oh, should Monaco be on the calendar or not? And you feel like it's a proper 50-50 split. But as from last time I checked, and I'll just check now on Twitter, we did a poll that was basically like, do you think Monaco should stay? Because it certainly feels like almost everyone doesn't like it now. And it's only 15% of people said get rid of 34,000 wow. votes. So it's just the people moaning that shout the loudest. <laughs> <laughs> What a positive start to the podcast. But no, I totally agree with you, mate. Um, I love watching Monaco. We've got, I'm afraid, two hardcore Monaco fans on the podcast. So if you're not a fan, then probably not going to enjoy this episode. Or the rest but of the yeah, weekend, because Matt's not here either. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, when you see like Martin Brundle trackside and you can see the cars on their absolute limits, like, oh, it's so thrilling. And yeah, it might not provide the most exciting spectacle in terms of overtaking and stuff. But if you want to see drivers on the absolute limit of their cars at all points throughout the weekend, then there's no better Grand Prix than Monaco for that. Buzzing so for quality already. I appreciate what it brings. Yeah, it's going to be so exciting. Um, and we kind of mentioned it earlier. So FP1 and FP2 have both been on today. And kind of the big takeaway from that is poor Danny Rick and his shunt in FP2. I was raging um, as a self-confessed Daniel Ricciardo fan because he's coming to this weekend, like this morning in the press conference, all of the talk with Ricciardo was to do with his contract. And although he signed until 2023, till the end of the next year, Lots of people seem to be speculating that he might be yeeted from McLaren before then. It stresses me out. I don't like hearing slander about my boy, but at the same time, he has not helped himself today. No. It, the Coming into the race as well, uh, well, I don't think we've covered this yet, but Zach Brown made some comments, uh, probably as brutally honest as you can be without sort of having a go at your own driver. Um he said on Sky, didn't he, that he thought Daniel Ricciardo said something like he's not delivered uh, and also pretty much just went on a thing about how great Lando was and stuff. So Daniel Ricciardo fans already a little bit feeling like McLaren don't love him very much. And uh, then, yeah, just 
pins it in FP2, just adding a bit more pressure on himself when there's already talk of him sort of, yeah, not not delivering and not not doing particularly well and his contract in doubt. Yeah, I mean, I say this, like, I know that over the last maybe year or two, there have been a few more occurrences of incidents and stuff, but Ricardo generally is a driver that doesn't make too many mistakes. Um, but obviously we saw it in Baku last year in Quali, and then before then, I'm trying to think what the race was, but he had quite a hefty shunt when he was with Renault at one point. And then before that was kind of like the um, another Baku incident with Verstappen. So he's not really had too many offs, but... Yeah, today, luckily, it wasn't as bad as it looked. As soon as it cut to it, you could kind of see him sort of wedged into the barrier and I was thinking, oh my goodness, what the hell has happened there? Um, Especially as we saw a really nasty shunt from the F2 um, grid only earlier in the qualifying. But fortunately, he's okay, except um, lots of people have been talking about the radio broadcast that was shared after his shunt in which um, I think it's... Is it Tom Stallard? Tom. Or... Yeah, yeah. It's Tom that he calls Carlos or Daniel or whatever. There's been loads of confusion over yeah. what his name is, but Darren, all sorts of. Yeah. But I'm pretty... <laughs> so basically, we could call him whatever yeah. and it would be fine. Um, but yeah, he asked him on the radio, how's the car, before he asked how the driver was. And um, I completely understand that sometimes these radio clips get cut and put out of context and it can sound worse than it is. I mean, F1 themselves love a Hamilton out of context radio clip, don't they? So, uh, but from the sounds of it and what people on the ground seem to understand is that maybe they could see the car had come to a stop or slowed on track and hadn't assumed that it was because Ricardo had had a shunt that maybe there was an issue with the car and that is why they were asking how is the car first thinking it maybe had like clonked to a halt on the side of the track rather than (laughs) Ricardo putting it in the the wall bit bit drive to survive the radio cut um you play playing that uh, I can understand why people are miffed because people are jumping on McLaren for anything we mentioned in the race podcast uh, that we did in Spain, where they did that uh, slightly awkward tweet where they said, where's DR uh, P13, uh, which was very badly worded. And then now this, the fact that people jumped on it because yeah, the, the race engineer said, how's the car? He responded like, uh, I'm okay. Um, <laughs> and then the bit that they didn't play apparently was the, the race engineer replies and says, oh, sorry, I see it now. So it does suggest yeah. that he just thought the car, he'd maybe seen it on the GPS that the car had stopped without seeing it on the telly that he'd biffed it into the wall. All he needs to do is look over his shoulder. It wasn't far from Probably where the Probably could have heard uh, it, to be honest. Were. Yeah, that's true. Probably thinking, da da da. Oh, somebody's gone in the wall. Let me carry on. Hello. <laughs> and then seeing, oh, it's Daniel. Um, but we've got a lovely question here. Well, I say lovely, but it's a bit of a brutal question, but something that is being talked about a lot from at zero X fusion Z or Z. How do you think Ricardo is going to feel when the team ask if the car is okay before asking if he is okay after being in a crash? I like that he ignored the team's question and let them know he was okay as that's the main priority. Yeah, I mean, if you're Danny Rick and you feel like you've got everyone piling on you, not only have you got Zach Brown piling on you on Sky Sports, which I really, really hope, I, I completely get where Zach's comments are coming from, but I hope that he's also had a conversation with Daniel face-to-face 
with the same context and he's not just like blabbing off to Sky and not actually confronting Daniel himself hmm. and having a one-to-one chat. But I don't know. It's... I'm not a fly on the wall, unfortunately, at the MTC, so I can't answer that. Yeah, his comments were about as savage as you can get about your own driver because normally a, a team boss will just go, oh, well, you know, there's problems with the car and we're going to try to get him up to speed and blah, blah, blah. But he did obviously just kind of flout, say, yeah, he's not delivered and went off on how great Lando was. But I've actually got the full um, thing thanks to the race on the ground. Uh, I hope you're going to do the accents, please, so I can absolutely identify these two. Uh, uh, so Ed Straw <laughs> uh, has written out the radio comms on uh, the race. So it says, Stallard says, Daniel, is the car okay? Ricardo, uh, I'm okay. The cars, and he says, and then his engineer replies, good. Ah, yes, I see it now. Copy. Uh, DR, the car is safe. Okay, yeah, I think I'm clear now what happened. Okay, glad you're okay. We'll fix the car. Don't panic. Yeah, understood. I'll explain when I get in. So it's just a very much a a snippet of radio that they've uh, done a DTS, basically, and uh, twisted it slightly. Well, the... um... TV direction is run by the Monogasks this weekend because F1 are not in control of it. So interesting decision from them, but not the worst bit of TV direction we've seen so far this weekend. <laughs> and won't be so the last. I'll take it. <laughs> nope. Lance Stroll replay here. Uh, but yeah, it is an unfortunate um, circumstance for him to be in the wall there because as we know, running in Monaco is so important. He's fre- well frequently said that he runs these streets or he owns these streets or something along those lines so that is um, so badly that message isn't it so, so bad but hopefully he can um pick himself up again tomorrow and full attack quality day that's what we need from you danny rick come on please otherwise i'm going to be having to wear black in mourning for his f1 career on the next podcast i think Oof. so i love you daniel but <laughs> please do something you're making us F1, like us uh, other F1 fans, you know, we don't want to be criticizing you. I don't think there are many people listening that don't love Daniel Ricciardo. I'm liking how we've got the full fan girl out, by the way, in this podcast. Normally you hide it quite a lot. And every time Matt's like, who, who do you support? Because me and him obviously have the banter about the sap and you're like, oh, no one. We've we've seen it all um, now. What can I say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's very true. At least I haven't jumped on it when he's doing well. At least I'm staying loyal when things aren't going too well. But yes, um, please, for the sake of everyone else. Um, Now, another talking point is Mercedes. And obviously, they showed a huge amount of progress and great potential in Spain. Coming to Monaco, it sounds like the bouncing is back, which isn't ideal because that was such a difficult problem for them to sort of get their head around and fix um, and lots of people were very optimistic about Mercedes coming into Monaco. People were talking about potential wins on the cards or podiums. Who would say such but... a thing? Definitely yeah, wasn't my I'm prediction. I'm looking at you, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> so that's another Tommy Jinx for the books. Uh, but yes, Lewis Hamilton especially, he did not sound a happy boy in that car. He sounded like he was jumping up and down and around like a the roller Monaco circuit. He was. <laughs> Yeah, um, Hamilton Team Radio got it here in uh, in FP1. Another impression, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I'm not that guy that does the really good impressions. I would just completely butcher it and embarrass myself. So um, Hamilton Team Radio, yeah, he said there's an incredible amount of bouncing. Uh, again, Team Radio went ham on him 
that that maybe it was hey. maybe it was DTS uh, doing the radio because they kept picking moments, didn't they, of Hamilton throughout the whole of FP1. He then said, "Yeah, the bouncing's crazy, mate." Then he said, "It's so bouncing. It's it's so bouncy out here, man. I'm effing losing my mind." And then he said later on, need elbow pads in this cockpit. It's bouncing so much. Um, but one of the interesting things is it's not actually, as far as I understand, poor boy sing, because the poor boy sing was obviously a problem with the straights. Uh, and this is just the fact that Mercedes are running the car so stiff and so low to the ground to get the best downforce, essentially. Uh, and Monaco, as we know, is not a smooth tilker um, track surface it's a road so you're feeling every bump of a normal street circuit and it's the kind of thing that you get in stuff like IndyCar all the time and drivers in the 80s will probably be like oh what are you moaning about we had to put up with this and no power steering and all this kind of stuff uh whereas nowadays the car suspensions are not used to that and everything so um it, it's more the fact that they were running the car in that in that way and it's not worked um and the bouncing has come back in a different form joys just when we thought that we were going to have to take the word poor pissing out of our f1 vocabulary <laughs> but hey mercedes weren't particularly strong here last year so maybe they're just trying to keep the tradition going but Hamilton and Russell will be hoping that we don't have a repeat of their pit stop last year because that was ridiculous but also talking about Chibotas, it's not in the sheet but that guy, honestly, I don't know who he's wronged in his life since joining Alfa Romeo, but he has got the worst luck when it comes to being ready to go out in practice. He was even joking about it this morning in the press conference saying, oh, you know, hopefully I won't sort of be, be plagued by another issue in practice because I seem to be having them every week. And then, blow me, he can't go out because he's got an issue with his yeah. car. So that, that being know, said, he needs to do some sort of ritual or something. Yeah. <laughs> pray to his butt picture um no <laughs> the what a horrible thought <laughs> you um you say that but i would rather be in his position than guan yu joe who's had all the bad luck in the races and qualifying and stuff uh, whereas i think if you're going to want bad luck you'd take it in practice wouldn't you because he's had an amazing uh few races with alpha and scoring points and everything but one and uh, while it is obviously really unfortunate because it compromises this whole weekend, and I think he could be on for a really good performance in this race um, if everything goes to plan. So uh, this could be a track that really suits Alpha and Bottas, and he has been good at Monaco. So he needs he needs the track time and to set it up well. But again, yeah, being played, and I guess going on to that, because uh, again, it's not in the sheet, is the fact that he had those problems. Mick Schumacher had those problems. Ferrari, Ferrari parts again. Mm. Yeesh, Leclerc will be sweating. He'd be quaking in his Gucci boots, probably, <laughs> if he had. <laughs> because, yes, there seems to be quite a pattern emerging of issues with Ferrari cars. So you said we saw that in Spain, now into Monaco. Mm, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Wait for this to be clipped and this to be... Well, it's not our fault that the Ferrari PU is looking weak. Okay, just like to put that out there. We're just talking about what's happening on the track. Don't accuse us of jinxing anything. <laughs> um, 
But another point from FP1 and FP2 is we saw a lot of cars going off at Sandovot, which is sort of the first turn. Luckily, there's a lovely big runoff area there. Some of them are just like full on spinning it around 180. Looks very cool, um, but leaving obviously a lot of marks (laughs) on the nice paved surface they've got there. But yeah, it became a bit of a meme at one point that you'd be like, starting almost a Twitter thread to be like, okay, so Verstappen's gone off and then there goes Lando Norris and then there goes Sergio Perez. So what do you think it is? Why do you think we're seeing so many cars go off there? Do you think it's maybe the new Pirelli rubbers, people just getting to grips with how far the limit is there? What do you think it could be? You do see drivers go off there a fair bit and I think it's probably just the nature of the track that that's the only uh, corner where you can essentially attack and late break and if you miss your braking zone you've got runoff so it's probably the only corner where they risk there is it is a little unusual the way with monaco it it kind of tightens on the apex of the corner and you kind of have to you can't really break in a straight line too much because of the way the track twists Uh, but i think it is if i've not heard anything from them but i'd assume it was just the fact that the drivers know that they can push maybe break that a little bit too late um, and know that if they do that, like other circuits, they can just go on the runoff areas. Whereas if you try doing that at Raskas or something, you're going straight in the wall or doing, you know, what, what Danny Rick did and Vettel almost did my word that oh, we my barely goodness. had time to tweet about that before Danny Rick put it in the wall, but that was absolutely insane. Sebastian Vettel uh, drifting through swimming pool and just missing the wall. I loved Crofty's very environmentally friendly um, like description of it. He's like, he's left enough space there for a bag for life. I was like, why don't I just say God plastic sake. bag? But, you know, got to get those environmental messages in. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that was insane. And, like, kicking up a little bit of cement dust or whatever that was on the ground there, a little bit of puff of something came up as he was going over. It was insane. Uh, now, talking of people looking insane and looking quite promising, Charles Leclerc, home hero, he's looking good this weekend. We've got a question here from at supernova underscore LNO4. I wonder who they support. Asking, do you think Leclerc will finally be able to finish his home GP this year? Ferrari have had a good start to the weekend and given his DNFs last weekend, you may say he's already completed it. Mm, that's it's a bold well, assumption. <laughs> It's a bold assumption. We're only done FP2, but he's certainly looking very strong so far this weekend. He was quickest in FP1 and quickest in FP2. So two out of two is not bad. But I think it was Sean Kelly who said that everyone who's gone fastest in FP1 so far this year hasn't won the race. (laughs) (laughs) So... Yeah, let me double check that. Actually. Maybe but do you want to add in a little bit? Yeah, of, you check that. Maybe yeah. it's maybe it's Leclerc. Just if he just has every single curse, then maybe they'll all balance each other out and it'd be fine. But yeah, Leclerc. That yeah, maybe that's what he's trying to do. I. It's a good job Matt's not here because he would probably accuse <laughs> me of like jinxing and stuff like that. But I do genuinely think that Leclerc will break the the curse essentially this weekend. Um, Tommy, what no, done? no, I'm not even just saying this to, to jinx him, but it does yeah. seem like there's almost so much pressure on the fact that, oh, he's had so many DNFs, he's crashed this Monaco show run thing, and 
and the whole narrative of the whole weekend is that he's, you know, oh, he's not going to finish again. He might, he'll probably just finish like third or something pretty boring and just not, not win, but just finish the race and have a really mediocre race. But he's looking really, really good. And, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he did finish that, uh, he won because yeah, he's looking on top form, but I mean, Carlos has, has been very close to him. I mean, FP2 is mm-hmm. 0.04 uh, off, and the Ferrari is the car I think you want to be in this weekend. It's looking very, very good. So. It is looking super competitive. And yeah, I know sometimes I make cheeky comments against Leclerc because I know it winds Matt up. So <laughs> I would love, <laughs> I do really like Charles, and I hope that he has a brilliant weekend because my goodness that boy deserves it um and now final question to wrap up this podcast is from at nils f who says are these cars too big for monaco and well firstly it's fair to say these are big old cars and they're heavy i'm amazed we haven't seen more little well we've seen quite a few of like tapping of the barriers lando norris complained that he hit turn one at one point and george russell like a few moments later said the same uh, but didn't seem to be much heavy damage there um on those two instant instances in fp2 but i think the cars are too big for monaco but at the same time it has its own challenges with it because we know when you go to Monaco you're not going to get crazy overtaking the most crazy thing that's going to happen is probably strategy wise or you might come in for a pit stop and find that your team haven't got your blooming tires ready you know exactly there's many a thing that can go wrong which makes it exciting Um, exactly it can it can that's what can happen in Monaco is the fact that it could rain it could rain which it is potentially forecast but it's one of those things because you can't overtake that can sometimes make it you know a thriller because if you if you think Daniel Ricciardo's win when he won with no power it was quite a tense battle where it was really dramatic and then Vettel was closing in and you thought could he could he hold on whereas if that was any other track they'd be able to get past within DRS and the race would be over and you'd know the result already so sometimes, I mean, I'm, I'm using all the, my, I love Monaco here, but sometimes it can make the racing better. And we do a good race at Monaco. Last year's was not good. I'm not going to pretend it was. Um, I like the fact that it's different and, you know, we had a different podium. We didn't get the usual handbot there, uh, mixed up the order yeah, a bit. Uh, so yeah, I'm looking forward to the race, but particularly qualifying because it's just spectacular and I can't wait for tomorrow already. Mm. I'm very much looking forward to it because you and I are doing the qualifying watch along, which is going to be great fun. Yeah. So that's going to be wild. I can't wait. It's going to be nerve wracking. You look, you scared. I am. Are you Monica scared? is just that. It, it is like they're on edge all the time, aren't they? So mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's going to be heart in mouth stuff. I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it already. And we've only just finished FB2. Mm. Uh, so Tommy, do you have any final thoughts? Final thoughts? Um, no. Oh, I love Monaco. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that as a joke and you uh, I'm so predictable. We've got a little Monaco coaster here that no one can see because it's audio, you? but there you go. Oh, yeah. Um, this is true. Yeah. I, I'm just, we've kind of said it, but I'm really looking forward to qualifying and not looking forward to uh, 
after qualifying and everyone saying that was awesome, having a boring race and everyone going, oh, should Monaco be removed from the calendar? Um, because it shouldn't. And no. there. <laughs> there you go. Tommy makes the rules in this place. So if you've got a problem with him, you've got a problem with all of us. <laughs> Found it at wtf one <laughs> Contractually obliged. That's not yeah. actually my email. Uh, no, it's not. It is... I am the best at WTF1. <laughs> but no, thank you so much, Tommy, for joining me. I am very much glad that you're radiating happiness and positivity because we're back in Monaco, not that you aren't normally. And yeah, join us for a post-qualipod tomorrow if Tommy's not too heartbroken or shattered, emotionally drained from watching <laughs> it. And uh, yeah, we should be back for also a post-race poddy without Matt because he is away. Um on Monday. So we'll see if Leclerc can break the Monaco curse. So be sure to join us then. Hope you're all enjoying as well the new podcast artwork, which we've put on. Lots of you have been tweeting in, noticing the change, which is awesome. And uh, yeah, we'll see you soon for another WTF1 podcast. Goodbye. Bye. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.